0: Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute. Alright, so you just heard there that we're recording, so I'll stop this now. And... Just give a warm hello to everybody here today. Thank you all for joining us. Again, there's some familiar faces that I can see um, here in the, in the audience, the virtual audience and also um, a few new faces. So um, yeah, my name is Antonio Roberts and I'm a I'm a curator and the curator of the Rules of Engagement exhibition, online exhibition, which originally launched at ODI's um, summit last year in November. and. Today, really excited to be um, hosting a talk by AM. Doc. Um, and they're going to be the talk is also a launch of their artwork which was developed as part as a residency as part of the rules of engagement program and um, and i'm really excited to for them to present it to you and then for you to um, go experience it yourselves so uh, just a little overview of what's going to be going on today i'll be doing just a sh- very short introduction about the next five or so minutes uh, just to uh Everything here. Uh, AM will be talking for about 30-ish, 30-ish minutes, and then we'll be taking questions from the audience from all of you. Uh, with regards to questions, please do um, write them down in the chat, um, and I'll relay them to um, I'll relay them to the audience uh, to to AM and um, just so you have those. Um, please keep your microphones and cameras off throughout dur- duration of the talk. um, And we will be recording today's talk as well. um, So you can go back and watch it uh, online on on ODI's YouTube afterwards. So um, I think that's all of the uh, preamble. Um, But I also want to just kind of very briefly introduce um, what this is all part of. So as I mentioned, Um, I curated the exhibition Rules of Engagement um, started in November 2020 and it features the work of three artists, um, Nick Breeze, A.M. Dark and Everest Pipkin. And generally it's about um, data ethics. What I'll do, I'm going to read the uh, curatorial statement just so you can um, have a sense of it. If you haven't checked it out already, go to culture.vodi.org and there'll be information there. So uh, just reading the curatorial statement, um, Rules of Engagement presents the work of three artists whose collective works make a case for ethical practices when working with data. Following numerous scandals involving data towards the end of the 2010s, the industry is now being forced to ask critical questions about its data collection and handling practices and to consider embedding ethical practices at all stages. The old model of move fast and break things has brought with it an accelerated innovation, but an increased risk of data mishandling and misuse, leading to real world implications for often already marginalized groups of people. The three artists presented, A.M. Dark, Everest, Pippican and Nick Brees um, are united in their critical approach to the systems that have allowed unethical use of data through their work. They ask important questions about data ethics and the lived experience. Why might there be mistrust in current practices? Should data even be collected in the first place? What are the benefits and pitfalls of collecting data? How are biases encoded encoded into data practices? What do ethical models of innovation look like? And who are the people slash communities impacted by data misuse or invisibility? by seeing people as more than just data points the artists and rules of engagement encourage those of power to reimagine how we engage with data by doing so we can ensure a data future where data and the people it affects are treated ethically and there's no doubt like if any of you are um people who use the internet we've seen so many instances where data has just been mishandled and it has really affected people and so in curating this exhibition looking for artists i really wanted to search for artists who live this experience every day not just as you know, working with data but who may have been affected by it or who are at least very critical of it and so coming across am's work for the first time and um, doing the research i th- their work which really um sold it for me was their work yay or nay Especially how it uses an already existing system—the game of Guess Who—to talk about how Black people are mislabeled, mis, uh, mis, uh, not described well, and how that is um, embedded into systems technological systems and it just really spoke to me even me as a black male and just they're very aware of um how data systems may not represent people in the best way um but yeah so please check out that work and as i said if you want to know more about the rules of engagement exhibition please go to culture.vodi.org slash rules of engagement but even if you just go to culture.vodi you'll be able to see more there um i don't think i'll say much more (laughs) hopefully i've covered everything as i said any questions throughout the talk please do put them in the chat um, and we'll aid them afterwards and we, I'll be reading. But for now, I wanna hand over to A.M. Darkler uh, and I'm so glad A.M. that you're able to join us today because I know it's really early for you. Uh, so thank you so much for um, for waking up so early. Um, but Yeah, I, I will stop talking and I'm gonna hand myself over to A.M. if you wanna unmute yourself, please.
1: Hi, thank you so much, Antonio. Um, I missed some of uh, your introduction and I'm a little bit Anxiety-ridden because my computer just decided to start to stop working, which is the wonderful case with presenting online and dealing with media art in general. Um, so, just give me a second here. But hi, everyone! Um, thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited to be a part of this program, and you know, this work actually is really um, complex for me to make. So, I'm I'm really happy to be not just sharing it and launching it, but being able to talk about it with people and really get um, feedback and perceptions and, Um, talk through some of the the issues that I'm trying to address. Um, I always make work when I I don't have a solution, when I actually have a question, and I always hope that the process of creating a work like this will give me some answers, but it's still definitely very fresh, and I I hope that it's, you know, um, adding to the dialogue in a way that feels um, productive. So let me, um, I'm going to start by just showing you a, uh, the intro of the game and then I'll show a few uh, screenshots of the ending without giving it away since I know many people so I haven't played. Let me just make sure that my, uh, my screens are doing what they're supposed to do. Okay, I think I could put this in the background for a second. Okay, can everyone see this? Should be working, looking good. Okay, great. So we start off with, um, I'll just read the introduction. So every second of every day, automated decision makers or ADMs are determining every aspect of our lives. Artificial intelligence has replaced human judgment and now a machine determines if you can buy a home, purchase a car and increasingly even get a job. Like humans, modern algorithms are adaptable. They learn from the massive amounts of data collected every time you do, well, anything. Like a post, get directions, swipe right, buy toothpaste, especially with a rewards card. These algorithms are with us in everything we do. The machines are learning, but who are their teachers? Why should a few tech executives and engineers decide how things go for the rest of us? Why not you, or me, or all of us? at least after some initial assessment of our judgment and moral character, right? Welcome to Fairly Intelligent, the artificial intelligence that learns from you. Like all ADMs, Fairly Intelligent works based on the data it's fed. As a black feminist scholar, I created the algorithm using my own rigorous standards so you can trust that it's fair and reasonable. The best part is that the more you share with Fairly Intelligent, the better it can represent your values. Not only does representation matter, it's critical to tech that works for everyone. Fact everyone. After a simple assessment, you'll gain full access to the fairly intelligent algorithm where you can change the system from within. Diverse input, inclusive data, just algorithms. Sound fair? It's not artificially intelligent, it's fairly intelligent, and we're just getting started. So I'm hoping that I can get a little bit of audience participation here. The interaction, as you can see, sort of explains the basic premise, which is that you know, algorithms are control or these algorithms that impact our lives are basically controlled and created by a very small group of people that may not represent who you are, who I am. And so maybe we can develop our own system that, you know, sort of starts off with my perceptions and my idea of what is fair and just, uh, but that you can add to the system. So is there anybody who's willing, let me see if there's a, if I can read in chat, to maybe like, you know, to guide to, to help me go through some of this uh, some of this experience okay so okay Homer let me guess you're apolitical the fifth hand let's go through all of them is this okay doesn't feel okay feels kind of threatening I definitely think of the light-skinned options this one is the most sensible choice I mean it says, maybe I'm white, but I'm not into being white. You know, it's not something that you're really excited about. Um, or maybe you're East Asian or Italian. So pale, but from a place that has spices. People at work be like, Black Lives Matter, happy quanta. Assalamualaikum." alaykum. Okay, so we'll go through the experience. Hey, look <laughs> at you, already making a difference. With your suggestion, Antonio. Okay, so as you can see, you get a little bit so of personalization. What is pronouns So you have a pronouns option. I'm going to choose I'm going to give you a little bit uh, of a secret, an Easter egg that's embedded in the game. and as you go through the experience, definitely play around with things. Um, look at the way that well, it impacts no need to the, change anything. I have a friend who's. Not by- look at the way that it impacts the interface, and I'll talk about why I made these kinds of decisions a little bit later. I'm gonna go with comrade. You have to make sure, of course, that you're not a robot if we're creating a system that impacts humans. Very importantly, and something that I wish that maybe more tech companies scream for, also wanna make sure that you're not a racist. The problem is that, you know, most people won't outwardly admit to being racist. So in my algorithm, I try to embed these other kinds of questions that become a proxy for what I think um, can give me an accurate read or an accurate assessment of someone's character. I haven't quite gotten, I haven't identified all of the Karens. So I wanna stop um, this presentation here because I don't want to give away too much of the experience. And I want to share with you some of the screenshots as you move through it. And I think I have to stop sharing for a moment to do that. So here you can see some of the example questions. So as you go through the experience, uh, the interactions change. And you go into sort of what is a little bit like a personality test. If anyone has ever, you know, applied for a job and you get a kind of Myers Briggs test, or you know, uh, it asks you several questions trying to assess your personality. So here we have things like I am acu- I am accumulating resources to help make life multiplanetary and extend the light of consciousness to the stars. I want to change the world, right? The sort of a baseline question for people working in tech is always this sort of utopian ideal optimism about how um, the technology that we create, uh, especially um, if it's computational, is going to eliminate bias, is is going to sort of uh, eliminate human flaws and make the world better. And then of course, questions like this, I don't see race, gender, et cetera. I just see people, this is one of my favorite, where your options are one race, the human race, namaste. And so you can see in some of the examples here that you you have questions that are a little bit snarky. This is actually a reference to uh, one of Elon Musk's tweets. Um, You have really straightforward questions like this that are yes or no. Um, But then one of the things that I like about this project that was important to me was having questions like this, where um, you don't get to choose the option that um, really aligns with maybe what your value system or your beliefs are and that the system actually forces you to choose um, a response that you may not like at all. Um, And if you go through the experience for some of those of you who have, um, the very last question I think does this the best and it's, it's really exciting. Um, I wanna talk about how this also is reflected in that first question that I showed you, um, or the last question that I showed you about, I am not a robot and I am not a racist. So if you go through, and this is a mild spoiler, but if you um, type in, I am not a robot, you start typing and the text fills you know, accurately. You type, I'm not a robot, it says, I'm not a robot. But a secret that's happening in this game, which is um, revealed on the next slide, is that actually no matter what you type, it's still going to input the accurate term so that you can advance through the system. And so as you play through, and I've played through you know, with the sound off of the presentation, but you start to see um, this narrative thread where in the beginning, you see the text on the screen and I'm reading it almost verbatim. And there are just slight little clues that there's a divergence between the sort of performance, the narrator and the system. And then as you get further into the experience, you start to see um, that divergence appear more, right? So instead of, I'm not a racist, uh, you're typing, I don't think it works that way. And so again, there's this, um, to me, an interesting power dynamic where I'm presenting the algorithm as something that you can have access to and that you can influence. But then I'm also sort of putting words in your mouth. I'm limiting your options. I'm speaking back, and I start to sort of um, break with the narrative that happens within the fairly within the fairly intel- intelligent as you know um, an algorithm. So as you go through the experience, you end up. Getting an assessment so that you know we make sure that you've been kind of like cleared for um, engaging with the system, right? Uh, One of the key lines in the game is that we don't want just anybody making experience that impacts everyone, right? So we have to make sure that you're not a racist, we have to make sure that you care about humanity, we have to make sure that you have a certain value system. And after you go through the game, you get um, a sort of subjective write up. There are 5 There they're five, maybe, am I getting this wrong? I might forget one. There's either five or six endings. And so you get a sort of assessment which I haven't shared here. I want everyone to get their own. But after you get your assessment, um, a little text dialogue, you also can uh, click on the factors that lead to this assessment. And this becomes, so this is an example of playing through the game and uh, seeing the ways in which um, your answers were codified and just become these sort of check boxes, these demographic markers. And this is really important uh, because we engage with algorithms all the time, and things that seem like they're straightforward are usually a proxy for something else, something that's more useful for whoever has designed the system. And so it's really important to me that I show these factors, but that I also didn't present too much. Um, context too much uh, to make it too dialectical, because I wanted to, or to, I'm sorry, too didactic, because I wanted to prov- um, provide the user with the experience of knowing that they'd been sorted into this category without having um, an obvious relationship to which question led to this kind of judgment. And so then you're sort of encouraged to play through the game again. And you can play through several times and sort of start to build an understanding of how the algorithm is working for you and what it's saying about you, um, but it's not direct. And I think that that both the subjectivity of the experience and this partial revelation, I hope, is helping people understand that there's all of this background information um, not just, not just information that's being collected, but this sort of sorting of us that we may not agree with, that may be detrimental and harmful, and that we have almost no control over. Um, Especially when we think about systems like this, you know, like fairly intelligent, where it's silly, it's funny, it's kind of, you know, it's definitely playful. You know, you may answer this is something akin to, you know, filling out a quiz on Facebook that you know, asks, well, what, you know, makes a a discernment about your personality based on the kind of wine that you like, but is actually, you know, collecting, you know, data and interpreting that in a way to um, influence like political elections. So I think the tension between um, how playful this can be, how um, in some ways inviting and fun it can be, how offensive and judgmental it can be, Um, all work together to try to portray uh, really the complexity of these systems and the way that they can be insidious in getting us to opt in either out of convenience or out of, um, uh, even sometimes out of, you know, a desire to make things better, which often seems to, uh, you know, these solutions about making things better always seem to lead to solutions that
0: Sorry, the the video, my video just cut out there. Um, Were you just asking if there were questions from the audience now?
1: Yeah, sorry. I'm trying to check and see if there are any questions that have come through.
0: (laughs) Well, um, I can start with a question because I saw um, Edie has had one question. But um, firstly, I'd like to say thank you very much for presenting um, about your work. like. Um, as you said, you don't want to give, out, give away the game too much. Um, but in fact, if you could as well, just post a link to the chat uh, to the work in the chat, that would be uh, great for everyone to be able to um, experience it later. Because today, remember, it is the launch of it. So um, would it be okay if I started with a question?
1: Yeah, and I would be, it would be great um, to be able to go back and forth um, between those questions. And I can show more of the game. I'm just going to skip through some parts.
0: Okay, sure. Um, well, yeah, because um, I do have one question, which I guess you kind of, um, you alluded to it a bit in the beginning, um, well earlier. You, at the beginning of the artwork, um, it, it talks about um, diverse um, input and inclusive data. Do you have an opinion on what this looks like in practice? Like, what is there any sort of, like, perfectly diverse or perfectly inclusive data, or, or uh, yeah, what's your opinion on that?
1: I mean, I think that that question needs a lot of context. So what does inclusive data look like? I mean, sure, data can be inclusive, but is it, you know let's make sure that we've included all everyone's face in the you know community so that we can identify protesters and so that we can you know better identify people that we want to exclude from opportunities or track or surveil i mean we live in a society that is oppressive to you know different groups of people and so i think that idea of an inclusive algorithm is like saying you want intersectional mass surveillance, right? So I think the question for me is more, um, is there an example of how do we deploy algorithms at a mass scale that aren't harmful? And I don't know if we can. I think my, and not to be super dystopian, I think you know that's something I definitely struggled with in this work because it's very easy to be like, wow, there are so many problems and let's reveal those. But then the next step is sort of, well, what is the answer? How do we just get away from throwing our hands up and saying like, there's almost no way to intervene in the system. And I think um, something I've been, uh, something that seems reasonable and interesting to explore is the idea of creating smaller, localized algorithms that the first question when you create something like this is not, you know, how do we get more data? But why do we need this data? How will it serve the community? And do people have consent? Has everyone fully opted in? Can they opt out at any time? Can they withdraw that consent? Um, And not just is it causing harm, you know, not just is it causing harm after the fact, but first of all, like how can it best serve um, the community? And if you're thinking about mass surveillance, that's not a community, right? That's just trying to collect data on everyone. So I think making it smaller and having, you know, sort of people driven algorithms that are really about, you know, what's beneficial. Like, you know, I think when I first started this project uh, back in, or, you know, back in September of last year, I was initially thinking, okay, what algorithm do I need? Like, I don't need an algorithm that's trying to sell me, you know, a fancier, you know, a brand of like asparagus water at Whole Foods or whatever. You know, I need an algorithm that tells me, you know, who's going to mansplain to me all night at a party. I need an algorithm that tells me, you know, which person is, a Karen who is going to, you know, call the police on me if I'm outside in my, no- in my own neighborhood, like idling for too long. Um, so I think that's what I'm trying to get out with, you know, what might be an ideal version of how these systems operate. Asparagus water is a thing. Um, you can look it up from a few years ago. Whole Foods <laughs> was charging $8 for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you for that, uh, A.M. Um, and because I, I did have a... Um, Follow up question, but again, you've already kind of answered it because even like when people are talking about um, or like whenever there's like a scandal with AI, um, say you know it's it's um, the, the 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 unfortunately classic example is where you know black people have been mistagged tagged as like uh, apes. It, they go, oh, it's just for training data. We trained it. We the data that we fed it was not inclusive enough, and it's and so most of this technology is developed by you know, white Silicon Valley men. And so I remember uh, the, the question I had um, in my head was about, well, do we just need to feed it more, better data? And uh, will, will, will this fix it? But again, like I think you've already explained that. Part of the problem is not just the data input. It's what it's doing at <laughs> its core, cool, really. Like, And yeah, I, I, I completely understand what you're saying. Uh, smaller, more localized or more... Um, case specific AI rather than just mass trying to do everything ones is definitely a good way forward.
1: So I just wanted to bring up a you know uh, this screenshot in particular because it's it's another one I think is um you know points to this idea of uh, you know the question is I refuse to see a therapist about my mental health issues and no, I refuse, I just don't feel comfortable telling a stranger my business, right? Of course, the irony here is that you are going through this form <laughs> telling me your business and that I can make all these kinds of inferences. And so again, that idea of like, well, what is, you know, what is the purpose of this? Is this helpful? A question like this could be helpful if we were trying to assess, you know, uh, the mental health of our community and it wasn't just gonna be shared to like sell you, you um, in an ad for like a meditation app or to try to like some one of the things that I came across in my research, some of the more just really depressing and and exploitative uses of, um, you know, this kind of data is for profit colleges. Um, looking for not just looking for you know people who maybe don't have degrees like you might think it's a very straightforward category like oh you don't have a degree or you're in this category no but like one of the categories was something or one of the ways that it labeled people was taking in various factors like you know where you lived um, if you seemed depressed um, and it was looking for people who uh, were unsatisfied with their lives low self esteem low opportunity and desperate. Right. And these are things you're never going to tell a form on the Internet that, yes, I feel desperate. But all of these, you know, sort of um, proxies for information. Um, yeah. Proxies for categories are being calculated and then used against you, which is not helpful at all.
0: Mm. Yeah. And it's really what's well, really gross. But uh, that, that might be a, a way to try and categorize and get people that, you know, preying on those sorts of insecurities and those things. Um, I had a question from uh, Ed, Mur- Ed Joe Murray, um, and I'll just read it. Um, they're interested in how you use the terms uh, game and playthrough, and they're interested if this is an intentional choice to align the work with game slash playfulness.
1: Oh, interesting. You know, I wanna say that that's super intentional, but it's actually just to have it because I am also a, a game developer. And so I, I wanna say that um, I, used, I, created, no, I, created, I created this work using Twine, which is a platform for developing interactive fiction or games, um, but no, I mean, playfulness is definitely important in all of my work and I do use that term intentionally. Um, which goes into another aspect of the work, which just this idea of polish that I was playing with, like the work is not necessarily polished, Um, but I go back and forth between thinking, I mean, at the basic level, this is a game, but I think I prefer to talk about it in terms of it being a speculative algorithm. And I say that because even though it operates um, and is designed in a game-like manner, it isn't, that fictional. Like this isn't even as silly as this is and playful and sort of like there's no consequence right there this, you know, it asks all these questions but nothing is actually being collected nothing's being tracked. But this is actually how, um, you know, data is collected in mass scale like this is how it works like when you see something, you know, a quick like Cambridge Analytica was just a quiz Right, that was shared on Facebook, it wasn't supposed, it wasn't something serious, it, you know, you weren't saying, well, I'm taking part in a study or, oh, I've got to apply for a mortgage. It was just something to pass the time, right? Um, and so I think that that idea that, you know, it I, it is a game because that's my intention is for it to be playful for it to not have any um, meaningful consequence, you know, in terms of it's not going to impact your life. Hopefully it impacts the way you think about these things. But, you know, these other um, sort of methods of data collection are gamified. They're meant to be, you know, when you take that quiz that says like, oh, like, let's see how smart you are because smart people drink, you know, wine and, you know, have two glasses of wine and chocolate and a beer, you know, every evening and which kind of like beer do you like? And that's going to tell us something about your personality and give you a little, you know, like flattering boost. Like it's, it's designed intentionally to be easy and to seem trivial. Yeah. I hope that answers your
0: question. Yeah, I think it's a good answer. And I can see a couple of uh, kind of like agreeing um, comments from um, F. Boom, saying, you know, it's deception. It's um, manipulating people into giving up more data, um, which, yeah, I, I think is a fair assessment. You're just doing something for fun and all, what, what you're doing is unfortunately feeding an algorithm. And I think, yeah, the way that it doesn't present itself uh, there as doing that, yeah, I think that's quite deceptive. And I guess I, I do have a question about um, your wider work, because yeah, I, I've, I've seen your work, um, haven't researched it, but how do you see this fitting into your wider body of work? Because if I think about, um, I guess, like some, some of what I've observed is that it, it seems like you take a system something that's sort of already existing whether that's like a concept or an actual game or an actual thing and you you as a familiar interface or familiar thing and then you're using that to uh, maybe subvert it maybe use it to make another point or to um do so especially for example in the uh, in the yay or nay game like it's you know the game of guess who probably a lot of us have played but it's like you're subverting it to talk about something really important so like do you, do, you, do you think this fits into your body of work um, in terms of concept and uh, delivery methods or is it something new and very different?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it, it fits into my existing work in the ways that you describe where, you know, I take a, a syst- I try to work with systems that people are familiar with and then subvert them um, and make them more provocative so that we reflect on things that we do every day. I try to take something that is usually, you know, a very quick internalized process and like push it to the forefront, make it, you know, social, make it visible, make it so that we are actually, you know, thinking about it instead of sort of just sort of passively, continuously engaging. Um, and at the same time, I thought that this was a really wonderful opportunity because I had been, you know, my work had always been around how large systems impact communities and individuals, especially those who are most marginalized. But I felt like I had been struggling where, you know, quite a lot of my work was sort of um, dealing with the individual and was more about representation and less about like um, addressing the systemic structures directly instead of just addressing sort of like, well, here's the result and here's how it impacted me. Um, and I also just had to do, yeah, I mean, I, I, there, there was a struggle and a conflict, which I talked about, you know, during my first talk in, in November at the, at the ODI conference, which was how, and this is a constant theme in my work, you know, when you are a person who has my identity, you know, you are a black feminist scholar who's queer and, you know, all the, all the different boxes, um, and you're called upon to do work like this, um, there is a tension for me about the kind of instrumentalization of like diversity, equity, and inclusion. That even as an artist who cares about justice and is who's trying to you know realize justice in a way, that it's sort of you know where are the limits um, when you want to make a provocative work? You know what happens if it's too provocative? Um, if you compromise, um, how are you sort of? Um, again, going back to the idea of of affirming the system by saying, well, okay, you know, a black woman made this and therefore we can engage with it or a black woman is on the team and therefore it has a certain like authority and feels trustworthy. And so, you know, I haven't really figured out how to make work like this, that addresses justice and engage with justice that feels like it's completely, you know, completely radically subversive in changing that system. And so I think, you know, and we've had had this issue with the ODI in particular where I wanted to make a version of the work that, you know, really focused on the builders of the software in a direct way, you know, gathering information from like LinkedIn and like doing much more sort of like, here's a person's face and this is what, and they're building software for ICE. And of course the ODI has been so supportive of my work, but we live in a world where you know, that can open you up to like litigation, that can open you up to like, you know, just that just trying to challenge these systems, which is this is by design and hold anyone accountable in a way that feels like it's like, okay, we, we've done it. we put, you know, we've gone to the form and we've nailed, you know, still <laughs> to, to the door. It feels impossible and it feels overwhelming. So I think what I've tried to do here with Fairly Intelligent that is most direct in this work, that's not in my other works, is at least call attention to my own complicity in maybe affirming the system, right? What does it mean to be a black femme who's like, okay, well, look, this is what I'm doing. And like, this makes everything fair and just, and we're gonna use diversity, equity and inclusion, right? To justify the collection of this data. And you know, that's something that, that happens in the, in the end game. So you go through the experience and I'm narrating everything. And it's my voice, very sort of natural um, and not a sort of polished, perfectly pristine corporate feel. You get me, right? As you could see from the sort of beginning slides, um, it feels very subjective. Um, but then once you go through the entire game and when you finally hit that last like submission button, what you get is a change in the audio it's clearly a recording that then says, you know, you have been categorized as this, this is who you are to the system, da, 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 da. And it reads out some things and it just ends with a sort of goodbye in this robotic voice. And for me, that was, you know, me trying to say like, look, I have come to you with this, like world changing algorithm that's gonna make everything fair. And you trusted me because I employed, you know, my credentials both as like culturally as a black woman, also, you know, uh, appeals to authority as like a scholar. Um, And I was with you this whole time. And I was even critical of the system. There are nods in the game that show you that like, I'm with you, I'm a comrade, I'm a super leftist. And yet once I've collected all of your data, then you just get the stock response. That I'm not with you anymore, right? I've left, am I even part of the system? Maybe I started off with good intentions, but now I've, you know, maybe I've gotten fired by whatever diversity initiative, you know, hired me. Maybe I was too diverse, maybe I was too provocative. And so it's, you know, those aspects of the game are me trying to reveal how difficult it is even by people who are, you know, trying to improve, like how difficult it really is to um, reform the system. When really I'm like, the system is bad. Like, we, like collecting data at this scale, you know, companies who are saying, I'm so invested in diversity. What we need is just like more um, black women coders, and that's the answer. It's like I don't, I don't need more queer. Folks working on drone piloting software, like that's not the answer. So yeah, and I think I do that more directly in this work than any other. So I was really grateful to have the challenge at times, but also what I think ended up being the opportunity to speak more directly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and thanks for for the answer. And yeah, like you know, it has been a challenge making this work, and an interesting one because uh, navigating um what can and cannot be done and um i just have a question from julie which possibly like you know talks to this uh, like the litigation and using people's um faces for example uh julie asks data capture is a huge issue for building biased data sets but what do you think about the development of synthetic data sets as an alternative
1: I'm sorry can you repeat the question
0: sure um so data capture is a huge issue for building biased data sets but what do you think about the development of synthetic data sets as an alternative
1: oh i don't know you'd have to explain that to me you'd have to give me more information
0: um well i I can try and interpret the question myself uh, but of course julie if you want to elaborate there but for example even um and i am partially giving away the game a little bit but like uh an over in where we were being asked to choose the karens um they they were fake faces they were ai generated faces so if part of the um issue was that like you know we're collecting data from real people what about synthetic what about yeah? You know, i guess not necessarily fake but like imagined Data from imaginary people is—is um, is that a way around the collecting? Is that—is that more ethical, or is it?
1: You know, I don't know. So though, and I say I don't know—and the very—I mean, I don't. But like the—the the first thing that comes to my mind is that even in creating and in, in creating synthetic data sets, like there's still there's still choices that are being made, right? Like they don't just happen, they're still gonna be trained or based on some other, you know, real data or perceptions. And so I think that that is, you know, that's part of the issues is that anytime you're dealing with humans, like we're not gonna be able to create systems where we're not a part of them and our bias isn't impacting, you um, the construction and the result. And by the way, I should say that I don't think that we should be aiming for that either. Like, I don't think that human bias, like that eliminating human bias in these systems, is—I uh, don't think it's possible. But I also don't think it's desirable. I think some bias is good. Um, in fact, like bias is also discernment. This is part of what I'm getting at with the with the algorithm is that, like, or with fairly intelligent, is that yeah, like I want to be able to. Um, Impose my biases on a system because I want to create systems that work for me. So that bias is important. What's the the problem is about the transparency, and I think that also goes back to Julie' your question about like if we're building these these data sets and we're capturing people. And I use capture, you know, intentionally in the game to say that like it's kind of like against someone's will. You know, you're not willingly captured. Um, but yeah, if we go back to that question of what do people need have they chosen are they a part you know is is the community that you're sort of capturing um or or including in the system are they a part of that conversation did they ask for this does it benefit them do they know about it um because then that that community can be a part of the conversation it can be directing whatever uh data collection methods that you're using and you know know that 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 data is being collected for uh, a beneficial purpose so again it goes back to sort of like transparency consent and do we want this
0: hmm. right and i think um for any like, i i think a, a good reading which i know we um they were presenting at odi summit but sophia noble's book uh um, algorithms of oppression again like in that book they talk about wanting you know, if there was a biased um, search engine rather than trying to present algorithms AI as this uh, objective truth be like no I want it I want a biased thing if, if and just be honest and truthful about what the technology is doing and yeah you know, so yeah and um, yeah, Sophia Noble presented at um, the ODI Summit last year. Um, check out that book, um, but also check out this work. So so, I wanted, uh,
1: can I give you one? Um, I wanted to bring back this point of, about um, why, you know, when I talked about like polish, why I wanted my voice in the game. Because, like, there's a way. Yes. Yeah, so there's, you know, one of the ways that I could have designed this would be to be completely sleek. Um, and I kind of wanted to break with that slickness that we see coming out of like Silicon Valley. Um, because I wanted to create this more direct and felt connection between the user and the software. And, um, you know, so I'm like, now I'm so cognizant of when I'm using real companies' names. So I'm like I'm scared of that. But I'm like, okay, so I worked for a, you know, um, Company that delivers food by using, you know, uh, independent contractors, and I was a I was a food delivery person, and I had used this app before to like order food myself, and and I think that there, we live in in an era now where like we usually the way that we engage with with things is that we have some kind of shiny app on our phone it looks really polished and perfect and clean and it's like slick and then like a thing magically appears at our door like a package in two days or food in 30 minutes and it just feels so like you know like the Justin's so high tech and like clean and like perfect um but in all of that is engineered but then when you actually dig into these systems like they're messy and sweaty and gross and stressful. And, you know, I had that experience um, when I went to sort of the, the I went to, what is it? Like an orientation to become a driver for this delivery app. And I expected to go into what you imagine, right? The Silicon Valley startup with the, you know like a ping pong table and stuff. This was the most depressing, stark, like office in a strip mall with like gray nasty carpet and low hanging fluorescent lights and just you know a lady talking at a bunch of people and sweatpants and just like you know uh not really doing background checks but like, you know everything was the most sort of gr- grimy, like low-tech you know uh the the complete opposite of like what the user experience is and i think This is important to me because part of the way that I think we engage with these systems is just this this trust in the sense that, oh, if I'm, you know, filling out this questionnaire for a health app or if I'm doing that, that it's that it's all been very considered right? And that clearly all of the energy and, and, and um, money has gone into, you know, creating a really polished, clean system. But actually, no, that's just the sort of like the end that you're dealing with. There are real flawed people, you know, who are stressed out, who are making arbitrary decisions that, you know, it's not as, as <laughs> basically the graphic design and the user experience gets way more attention and focus so that you feel comfortable, then the actual sort of system that is making judgments or the system that are that is delivering you that um, experience that feels sleek. It's not actually that sleek on the back end. And so I wanted to sort of leave the imperfections of the experience there to remind people that like you're not just trusting some polished robotic system, you are trusting a person who, you know, doesn't think a hot dog is a sandwich to determine if you get a mortgage. Like, come on, that's 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 ridiculous. So yeah,
0: cool. And yeah, because I did have a question about what, um, why you chose to use your voice rather than like you know Siri or like something which sounds a bit more robotic. Because yeah, especially when people are talking about AI in popular culture, it's always this like you say very hyper polished thing. And so yeah, I really like that you use your own voice in the work um, and. I think it does do what you say. It reminds people that it's just a bunch of people <laughs> making a decision. It's, um, yeah. So um, we have only, uh, well, i will say we've got about uh, 10 minutes remaining um, now. I'll just check. I don't think we have any other questions up in the chat. Um, I guess one last question for me, really, is... What do you want people to take away from experiencing the work? There's so much in the work. Do you want them to have sort of like a sudden revelation where it's like, ah, this is it. This is what I need to do. Or is it uh, more open-ended where you just want them to, I guess, feel something and do something with that over time? Have you, so yeah, what what do you feel you want them to take with them?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, this is, um, this is something that I, that I really struggle with, with this sort of awareness work. I'm always trying to get away from awareness. You know, like that was a big thing. Like I'm making a work to raise awareness. And I'm like, we live on the age of the internet. Everyone is aware. Like we know that things are a problem. Like what is this really doing? And so, you know, I think the biggest thing that I wanted people to take away as I struggle with again, like, yeah, what do I do? Like I just made this work and I'm like, well, do I not engage with apps like I have deleted a few things like that's for sure but I think being skeptical particularly about um these calls to improve and reform um systems of mass surveillance by continuing to affirm the system and by saying what we need is more mass surveillance what we need is more funding to surveil more people what we need is to to you know, really give us money so that we can, you know, make accurate face detection that works on black people. Like there's a question in the work that says, you know, why do you submit? And people have interpreted this in different ways because initially this work was was um, built with like data practitioners in mind, folks who are building these systems and are, are, are savvy because they're engaged in, you know, building, yeah, building these structures. Um, and so the, that question is, in some ways, it is posed to, like, why are you working, you know, when you, at this company that has a contract with ICE, right? Like, why are you doing that? But also it's posed to the, the player and saying, why, after I've told you all of these things, why are you still clicking these buttons? Like, why are you submitting? And then it sort of answers for you and it says, because, you know, isn't greater inclusion a good thing? You know, and I say, well, is it your voice that needs to be included? Is that, and it, you know, and it sort of goes through. And I say, when we talk about inclusion, we have to ask ourselves, what are we being included in and for what purpose and what end? So that is the great, I mean, I think that's the part that is the awareness that maybe hasn't been raised. Like we know that some of these systems are harmful. We know that like the mass surveillance is happening, but the idea that we should trust and engage and offer more data, like there was something that didn't make it into the game, which was um, I I decided against it, but I had had the idea of including a question that allowed you to identify like Black people as like a capture to make sure that you could identify like a Black person and it was going to be framed, you know, like as you said, like how, you know, some systems identify black people as, as monkey users, as non-humans. And so it was to sort of feed the system, like can you identify this black person and you could feel like you're helping, like, yeah, that's, you know, the system's messed up, but I, I, I can tell black people from, you know, animals. And then it was going to like, thank you, and then feed that choice to like um, police software. It's like thank you. Now we know who this protester is, who's protesting against injustice, or thank you. Now we know which employee is union is like leading a unionization effort, and so again, it's that idea that we always have to be skeptical um, when the answer is about collecting more data, and the 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 giveaway with fairly intelligent is that no matter how you respond, like you can be perfect, you can answer all of the questions, you know, in the way that I've coded it to to ensure that you're like a great person, but you will never gain access to to the system. Like that's the big red herring is that you fill out the form and you give me your data, but it will never determine that you are good enough to create any systemic change that the system itself, the system itself is judging you as inferior or too provocative or too whatever and then just decides, okay, well now I know how to continue to exclude people like you from ever having, you know, the ability or authority (laughs) to change the system. So that's the takeaway, like stop stop just feeding data thinking that's the way that we're gonna change these systems. We're gonna change these systems by, you know, uh, pushing for regulation. We're gonna change these systems by, you know, things like GDPR where, where we're saying, hey, like people need to know what they're engaging with. Also, people need to be able to opt out at any time. There needs to be penalties for you know, violating um, like legislation that right now doesn't exist. That's another thing in the game that talks about you know, how corporations have so much power in the United States and how are we gonna get that legislation when corporations can basically spend unlimited amounts of money to ensure that they're not regulated through lobbying. So like, that's the focus. It's like, stop focusing on the system and engaging it and reaffirming it and reforming it. Like, how do we get out of it? How do we regulate it? How do we, you know, always maintain our skepticism even when it's presented as some utopian vision for a better world?
0: Brilliant answer. I, yeah, and I completely agree making the system better is not the issue is not the answer it's just getting away from it especially when we know what the system is doing so i think we're going to wrap up there uh, now but although although with four minutes to go i have a question from Edie jerry murray who did you pick for the final question who's hotter <laughs> look so i know again giving away the game a bit here but the final question ask you to say who's hotter, uh, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, or Jeff Bezos? Who did you choose?
1: <laughs> Who did I choose? I think that that is so unfair to ask me this. <laughs> I know, sorry. <laughs> okay, so actually this, is, this does tag onto the last thing I said. By the way, that question is there because So I say, right, like I'm looking for these different people and like, I don't want to include a a racist or a fascist to, to alter the system. I don't want to include like someone who's uncritical. But even if you were to answer the questions perfectly, one of the reasons why I justify the choice to never let you alter the system is that no matter what you've chosen, you willingly chose to say that either Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk was hot. And therefore, you cannot be trusted. Like, that question alone means that you have been rejected. You are not allowed to make decisions for society. Um, if I had to choose, I would choose, and I have chosen, Mark Zuckerberg. And the reason the reason is he's the only person of the three who seems to genuinely respect his wife.
0: <laughs> well,
1: Like, he's the one who seems to treat his wife the best. So that was my... I don't agree with the impact that he's having on the world. It really scares me. But, you know, Priscilla Chan seems like she's doing okay.
0: And I think we have to end there. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> we can stop that. So, okay, I've posted the link to the work in the chat. We'll all be posted on ODI's social media as well for you to check out. I want to thank AM so much for being up so early um, to talk with us about their work. Um, I want to thank everyone in, for being in the chat and asking such, such really great questions. Uh, what I want to say personally, thank you to ODI for inviting me to be a curator on this exhibition. Thank you to Hannah Red LaHorse for producing and to the ODI staff for navigating all the difficult questions. Um, and I think, yeah. I'll I'll be ending there because we are going to get kicked out in one minute. So if you want to see the chat, uh, want to see the talk, um, it'll be posted online later. But yeah, thank you again, everyone. Have a good day. Thank you, AM. And yeah, speak to you all online. I'm going to keep waving and say goodbye now. You've been listening to a Friday Lunchtime Lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.